This Wellness Couch podcast proudly brought to you by the Wellness Base Camp in Perth, our first ever event in WA. This Saturday, April 6th at the Royal Perth Yacht Club featuring some of your favourite Wellness Couch podcasters. For last minute tickets and all info, go to thewellnessbasecamp.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith and Kim Morrison. up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And man, oh man, did you listen to last week's podcast? Holy dooly, I don't even know what to say. So if you listened to last week's podcast, you would have heard that we were talking to the amazing Dr. Jack Cruz. And it was a very inspiring, very enlivening um, podcast. And it kind of, well, I actually think that it would have left us with a lot of questions. And I think that it would have caused us to really question, particularly those of us that have been brought up with certain belief systems about, you know, what causes health and what degrades health and, you know, where we go to for our, um, our information and and what we've learned over the years, it kind of threw it all up in the air and left it in a little bit of a mess. And this week, we really felt like we wanted to follow on with somebody who is Australian that um, also understands this same work to extrapolate some more, of, more on some of those ideas and to give us a little bit more detail and um, some grassroots information on what we learned about deterioration and and G, uh, 5G and all of those sorts of things that are throwing a lot of questions into the marketplace around health and well-being right now. So I'd like to introduce and welcome to the Up for a Chat show today, the amazing Jason Borden-Smith. Thank you, sir, for being a part of today's podcast. And we are very, very excited to have you with us and more excited to hear about your story, your background, where you've come from and how you know what you know. And I think that this is a really important part, as Cindy was just saying off air how vital it is for everybody to understand that they're in super safe hands with the next hour on this podcast in terms of giving us more information. So, Jason, welcome to the show and thank you for being with us. Thank you, Karen, and good afternoon to Sydney and Kim. I don't think I've ever been interviewed by three people, so this should be fun. Yoo-hoo! Be very afraid. I just want to start with that. Uh, <laughs> Start us off by telling us about your story and your background, Jason, and and how you've gotten to do the work that you're doing. Well, it's not a pretty story, unfortunately. My my original background is I have two science degrees specialising in the impact of the environment on human health. Uh, My undergrad uh, was done, my major was mainly in water, and my postgrad research was on heavy metal toxicology. Uh, a lot of people know me through the lead uh, poisoning, childhood lead poisoning days back in the 90s. And I then moved from academia. I was with New South Wales Health Department for five years as well, working as an environmental health officer uh, in a uh, secret kind of investigative squad, which we won't talk about, but it did some most amazing work. And it's incredible what our, you know, what our, you know, bureaucrats and, and government guys do behind the scenes. People uh, just take for granted that we live in this great country. So 
just want to you know, put a good word out for our medical and, and health people because despite what we're going to talk about, they know very little about. It's not because they're bad people. It's not because they don't know what they're doing. It's just like me, they never knew. So what happened after I left the health department, I started a little consultancy company out of my lounge room that has now become probably the number one contaminated land consultancy company. So we have you know, 200 employees across the country. We, I don't know, everyone's nearly a double degree scientist or engineer. So we have a lot of brainy people working for us, cleaning up the environment around Australia. So that's one of my claim to fames. Uh, the reason we're so good is not because of me. It's because of my business partners and our staff. What happened over the 20 years of me being in the corporate environment, you know, you would never, ever contact me about health. And it's funny now that all these people are saying, tell me a story, tell me a story, because I just didn't care. Like I was the typical Aussie male who was like a truck. You couldn't stop me. You know, I could drink lots of beers, I could do lots of things and I'd get up in the morning, I'd just keep going, 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 going. I don't know if it's the convict blood, the Scottish heritage or what it is, but I just kept going, going and going. I didn't pay hardly any attention to my health. I really got stuck in the corporate environment building companies and I lost my connection to nature. Now, I love the beach. I've been scuba diving since I was 15. You know, it's not as though I don't like nature. It's just that I got too busy. So I'd get up in the morning, you know, usually before sunrise, I'd be in the office and I wouldn't get home till after dark. And then when I got home, I was still on screens, I was still under artificial light. And I had no idea what this was doing to my body. Eventually, kind of similar to Jack, my knees went. Now I tell people it was because I was playing tennis, but the truth is it was actually table tennis and I felt quite embarrassed. Because I was a quite, I was quite the sportsman as a younger guy. I wasn't as good as Danny, Kim. Like I didn't play for my country, but I did play against Mark and Steve War um, in my school days. Um, but it. I just got too excited about the beach and surfing, and and you know, I played a bit of cricket. But girls and and other things got in the way. So what I found was I was really sick, and I didn't really know about it. So, and I didn't know what to do because now I couldn't walk. I literally had grade four cartilage damage in both knees after I had the MRI scans. So then I went and had all the tests and I ended up winding, you know, after I counted them up one day, it was 20 chronic diseases I had. So anything from diabetes to high blood pressure to I had three types of skin cancer. I had a heart attack, very mild. Like this is the problem. I had a, you know, a measurable heart attack, but I couldn't feel it. This is, I don't know what happens with us crazy males, but, uh, and then I had all the other issues to do with everything from gout to, you know, L5, porphyrated, herniated discs, you name it. I pretty much had it. And I went, okay, now I've got to do something about it. And I tried everything. I mean, everything. I went to every Macquarie Street specialist here in Sydney. I went to all the, you know, the functional, uh, alternative, um, holistic people. Then I went and hung out with all the more alternative, esoteric, uh, you know, herbalists. You know, I did Qigong. I was doing all this other alternative stuff as well. And, and some helped. I'm not saying none of it worked. But it didn't move the needle. Like, I wasn't getting better. And I was at a loss. I mean, I was seriously at a loss 
And I know this is ironic, but I was literally at the beach at sunrise. And I was just, I've done a lot of personal development work and, and Karen would be happy that I'd be meditating for a long time. And I was kind of just connecting with Mother Earth and Father Son and just at a loss going, kind of asking for some guidance. And I got this, I know it sounds really weird, and I promise you I'm actually a double degree scientist who really wanted to be an atheist. No, I really did. Didn't quite happen. But I got this message or this something in my head to study physics and biology. And I went, what? Physics and biology? Like we've heard of biochemistry. I did two science degrees, so I know a lot about different chemistries, including biochemistry. I, you know, I majored in toxicology in my postgrad work, so I was quite aware of biochemistry, but biophysics? And you do what you do. You get on your favourite search engine and you start typing away, and I got this link to podcasts, and maybe someone like me is going to hear me or Jack's podcast that you guys have done, and I heard Jack's voice. And I have an ability to resonate with a particular cadence. I can tell when someone's telling me the truth. Now, I mightn't have a clue what he's talking about. I might be able to understand all the technical stuff, but I just knew there was something there. So I joined his uh, membership. I've been a gold member now since December 2015. And, oh, my goodness. (laughs) Like, I don't know if you've listened. I know you had had him on the podcast, but you listen to his webinars and read some of his blogs. And even with two science degrees, I I just couldn't get it. It was really hard for me. But I persevered. I just kept listening and reading. And for those who want to follow Jack, and I know there's a lot of people listening who heard last week, start with his podcast like he did for Up The Chat. He's done... Up for a chat, I should say. He's done, I don't know, he must have done two, 300 podcasts. They're all on his website. Start with the public ones. Don't start with his membership. Get used to the language because you've got to do two degrees. You've got to do a quantum mechanics degree and a medical degree by yourself. It's not easy. So I got completely frustrated, um, but I persevered and I went, wow. So if I'm getting this guy's message, all I've got to do is eat oysters and go to the beach. I went, wow, that's pretty easy. So I did. Now it's a little bit more complicated, and I know you're going to ask me a lot of questions about it, so I'm not going to dive into it here. So I followed his protocols for two years, and then in December or November 2017, I decided to have my first consult. So I'd never spoken to him one-on-one before. So I get on for this consult, and after about five minutes of telling me, he said, right, I want you to stop. That's it. Stop. I know what's wrong with you. You're blue light toxic and you've got to fix your water. And he started giving me a sermon. You know what Jack's like? He's like a priest. Gets out there on his, on his soapbox and starts lecturing me about deteriorating the plate of water. And I had to save the country and if I do it, I'll become prime minister. And he's just raving on and raving on. And I'm going, Jack, just settle down, mate. Settle down. And... You probably don't know, but there's a lot of us in the Jack Cruz community who just want to prove him wrong on something. It's kind of like a little, <laughs> it's kind of like a little test we like to do. So um, I decided that he can't be right that Australian water is so bad and deteriorating. I have an environmental company. We spend millions of dollars a year on testing, so I've access to good labs and a lot of people. So I tested the whole of Australia's water. I mean, I tested. Rainwater, I tested seawater, I tested 
all the different um, we call potable water, so your tap water. I tested rainwater tanks and I tested all the common sparkling and, and flat mineral waters that I knew we could find the source of. And bores? Uh, we did some groundwater but not a lot. Uh, the bottom line was, and, and you, can, you can listen to my explanation of the results with Jack on our website, which we can put a link on the show, and he was right. Australian water is naturally high in deuterium. So 80% of the water around the world runs between 145 and 155, give or take, ppm. Our water is 150 up to about 165 ppm. So we're on the higher end of the deuterium scale. Now, the interesting thing was the water I got out of my tap here in Ramick was the same that Jack got out of his tap in New Orleans. So I did kind of get him. However, in the States, you can get, you know, 130 uh, ppm water, especially from the Rocky Mountains uh, at, at altitude uh, and the Canadian Rockies, like up where Whistler and that is, where we'd love to go skiing, is really low naturally in deuterium. So I went, uh-oh, what are we going to do now? I can't get any low deuterium water in Australia. So I did my homework and as a scientist, I did a lot of research on deuterium and I ended up bringing a container of water out from a supplier um, through Romania and we rebranded under our Mido HQ website and we made that available, not publicly, just to a few people, me and my friends and other people, and we said, well, let's just see if this works. Holy moly. It was the missing piece of my puzzle. I went from being recovering to everything's fixed diabetes gone, blood pressures. Now, I'm still taking a, mild, a, a lower medication, so it hasn't com- completely fixed it, but it's much lower. I was 220 on 160, right? I was hospitalised level. <laughs> I laughed. It was not that funny. Um, and then all my pain went away, like my metabolism improved. So I went from 150 kilos and I'm down to about 120 kilos now, which is still heavy for most people. But for me, it's a skinny version. I haven't been this weight since, you know, probably my late 20s. So I just went, I can't believe it. Light, water, and magnetism, which is, he calls it the three-legged stools. I think a better name is nature's three secrets and understanding how biophysics and we're a photoelectrical being, not just a bag of chemicals that we've been taught, actually works. And I was a super sceptic. I want you, you know, ladies to know that I was super sceptical. I thought he was full of you-know-what, and I just did it because I had no choice. So now I'm better, and I've still got a few little issues, but they're on the improve. I went, wow, let's give, let's give the – because you could do it all. You can't just do the water. You've got to do the sun, the water, and lower your magnetic, electromagnetic fields as well. And we've had some tremendous success with people. So I don't treat or diagnose anyone. I'm not a medical doctor. I don't want anyone to believe me. I want them to do it themselves. But I can tell you, Jack Cruz and his quantum doctors have now discovered pretty much how to reverse nearly every chronic disease on the planet. And it's simple. It's not easy to do, but it's really simple. So that's my story in a five-minute summary. Uh, for those who really want to see it in a bit more detail, 
I did a great um, presentation for Genius Network in the US just last month. Well, it's actually March today, so um, <laughs> two months ago. And I can uh, give you a link to that as well because that has photographs. It has, you know, scars. We had half my face ripped off from the cancers. It was, it was It's more detail. But I just want to keep it a bit short because then there's so much to cover in an hour. So I'll be quiet and let you ladies lead the questions. I just think it's fascinating, you know, that you're supporting what Jack freaked us out about. And I must admit, um, we were shell-shocked after um, what Jack said. And, I, and I've spoken to Jason since because I was so shell-shocked to, for quite a few days. And I have been doing the same thing as, as you did, you know. I'll just keep listening to people and reading people's information. And, and I've listened to quite a few of the podcasts. So um, we will make sure that we put some links up for everybody. Mm. So one of the, um, you know, the, I love how you've called it nature's three secrets because we're not, we don't see ourselves as that. But one of the things that Jack has put me down the rabbit hole doing, and that is the mitochondria. Mm -hmm. um, and so could we um, address mitochondria mm -hmm. when we're looking at the nature's three secrets? Well, we can't not address it. Yeah. That's the whole thing. So I like to follow the money. My real passion is actually governance and who really runs this world. So I like to follow the money to find out what's going on. And so I had a look at the research and said, well, if Professor Wallace is saying 85% of all chronic disease relates to mitochondria and Jack says, well, I've updated his work and now it's really 95%, why the hell didn't I know about it? Really? Come on, I spent 10 years nearly at university. I'm published in the Medical Journal of Australia with my own original research. I've worked at the health department for five years. How come I was only told mitochondria is like the powerhouse of the cell and that was it? I didn't know it made deuterium depleted water and that water was really what carried all these frequencies around the body, all these photoelectric frequencies that you know, interact with all the photoreceptors through sunlight and the opposite through artificial frequencies, which cause damage. I didn't know any of this. So when you look at the money and NHANES data out of the US is probably the best database, 99% of all funding goes to nuclear DNA, the double helix we all learned at school. Only less than 1% goes to mitochondrial research. And I went, well, why the hell is that? If mitochondria really is the secret to reversing and preventing all this chronic disease? And then, of course, the, the answer is obvious. You can't make any money out of doing mitochondrial work because you don't need a drug. You don't need a supplement. You just need to spend more time in nature and less around technology and being indoors. And you can't make any money doing that. So no one does any research, so no one looks. And it takes the recalcitrance like Jack. Like Jack is a runaway locomotive. Like he, he studies nature. He is literally the smartest person in medicine probably on the planet. In fact, he's probably six steps ahead of everybody else and he knows it and he doesn't care if no one believes him and he just goes bull of the gate and will burn bridges, will upset and terrify people like you guys. So you, you're freaking out going, my whole world was spent on nutrition. I'm sorry, Cindy, but I've got to use an example because I was the same, right? I was exactly the same, a different science, but the same kind of feelings. And my whole world just got trashed, just got trashed because we never learned this. And I'm going, 
Okay, let's just take a step back, think about this. We're more than just mitochondria. That's the first thing. And I'm sure Karen, if she was to tell us all about health, she would talk much more about the mental, emotional and spiritual side of things, as you um, may as well, Cindy and Kim. So we're just talking about foundational health. So let's think about a house. When you build a house, the first thing you worry about is your footings. You've got to make sure your footings and then your foundation are nice and solid, they're on good ground, and they're not going to move. That's your mitochondria and your cellular health. Then you build your walls, then you have your roof, and then you have all your fittings and all your windows and your doors. That's everything else to do with health. And it's really important that we are a whole house. We aren't just the footings. The difference and what made me understand this more than anything, if I don't have good footings and good foundations, I don't care what my roof has. It's never going to stay up because the whole house is going to collapse. So while it's only one part of health, it is the foundational part. And if we don't understand mitochondria, we don't understand how it works, we don't understand what it does, and more importantly, how to keep it healthy, then our house is going to fall down like it is now. I've never seen so many sick people around me, ever. Every second person I know is sick or dying or worse. So it's, it's really a tragedy that we made this mistake, but the good news is we know it now and most people are not going to listen and this is the big thing I want people to take away. You can't save the world. Forget about saving the world. You've got to focus on you and just you to begin with. And I'll tell you the the difference I've made in people's lives since I've done this. I married a vegetarian. She's from Sri Lanka and India. So she's got dark skin, born in Australia, very smart, double degree like me. And she loves vegetables. Because when you live on the equator, she was, I think her mother was a um, Kerala, was South India, and her father was a Tamil in, in Sri Lanka. So her mitochondria, remember our mitochondria, only come from our mother. So you've got to see what your, it's called halotype. I don't want to get too technical because people will turn us off, but you need to know if you're uncoupled or coupled. It's pretty simple. You don't have to get a 23andMe. Unless you're really sick, you need to get your snips, your snaps, you need to get all your information if you're really sick. But if you're just trying to stay healthy and you just got a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you just need to know are you from Northern Europe or are you from the equator? That's usually the two areas which most Australians come from. I'm from Scotland and England, so I have an uncoupled halotype. So my mitochondria really does well in cold environments. It loves a lot of seafood. But the good news is because I'm uncoupled, I can use sunlight as well. The coupled mitochondria people like Trina, she loves carbs. She does really good in sun. In fact, she needs 10 times more sun than me because she has more melanin in her skin and she's designed to be in the sun all the time. People say, well, this is all crap, Jason. And I I get it. I thought it was too. But look at the incidence of diabetes in India. These are the guys who have been mainly vegetarians and vegans for thousands of years. And they now have had, I think it's a tenfold increase in two decades in type 2 diabetes. There is another, I think there's 100 million skinny diabetics. Remember, all diabetics aren't overweight. 
There's 100 million skinny diabetics in India. So what happened in the last two years, the last 20 years, sorry, the last two decades? They became a tech hub, like all the call centres, all the, um, the crowdsourcing for technology support. They are, you know, they're the Silicon Valley, especially down south of India. They moved inside. They spent all their time under artificial light and then surrounded themselves with artificial frequencies with wireless communication. They have ruined their mitochondria and now they're getting the gateway disease that leads to serious disease. Like diabetes is a gateway um, disease that leads to whichever pathway your normal DNA is suspect to. So whether it's heart disease, it could be cancer, it could be neurodegenerative like Alzheimer's and other brain diseases, they're the three pathways most of us go um, on our way out of this world. So once your mitochondria become dysfunctional, all those nuclear DNA problems that we have in our genetics from both parents, they're triggered. And that's where the diseases come from. If we protect our mitochondria, keep our cells healthy, keep them producing great energy and terrific water, then we can't get sick. We will naturally age and you have this process called heteroplasmy, which Wallace talks about. And, and this is a general rule of thumb. Say we live to 100. Every decade you lose 10% of your mitochondrial function. It is the natural aging process. It's how we die. And when you think about it, what happens when you turn the lights off? It's over, right? You turn the lights off in your body, you have no energy, you're going to die. The second most important thing mitochondria do is ATP, energy production. Number one is making this deuterium-depleted water that we have naturally in our cytosol, our cell water. So that's my quick, not my quick, my long summary of mitochondria. That was brilliant. You know what was really interesting, Jason, was when I've been deep diving and I've been listening to Wallace and I tell you, listening to Wallace is like Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. you cannot do it in the car. You have to (laughs) sit down and watch him and listen to him and write notes and then you have to listen and re-listen again. You know what? I went, oh, my gosh, glucose to pyruvate, you know, releases a couple of ATP. Then from pyruvate, we, we produce carbon dioxide and water. And I went, I have seen this biochemical reaction since, you know, the early ages. Yeah. I've seen this forever. And all of a sudden I actually saw it for the very first time. And then when I realized that that water is being produced by the food that we're consuming, not just glucose containing foods but fats i just mm-hmm. all of a sudden got excited i just went <laughs> you produce your own you you produce Correct. your own deuterium water uh, well deuterium depleted water i should Correct. say you yay so <laughs> water it's not the water you drink it's the water you make yeah and i'm a bloody water expert right I'm, i know a lot about water and we talk everything about filtration and vortexing and fluoride and the whole mm. we'll keep going all day and i went what It's the water I make, not the water I drink. I've just spent 20 years studying this stuff and everything I know about water is flawed. Like I was shattered, just like you were shattered from a nutrition point of view. It's like, I've got to start again. And because I've actually implemented it like you have, we've become, you know, it's become a bit of a, it's become my career now. I'm doing this for a living because I think it's so important to get the message out there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it changes your life and, and you become an advocate. You can't help it. And I forgot to mention with Trina, you know, we talk about DHA a lot um, 
and we call ourselves mitochondriacs. And mitochondriacs was defined 60 years ago as originally as a biochemist. We cross out the word biochemist and just put person um, interested in mitochondria. There's someone who's actually kind of devoted to understanding mitochondria. So that's mitochondriacs. And we eat a lot of seafood, marine seafood. And we can talk about, remember, I'm a toxicologist, so we can talk all day about mercury and Fukushima. I'm happy to do all that if you want. And my wife has seen me change. Like, and I mean, it's a dramatic change for what I've been through. So she now eats seafood just a little bit because she now knows that Jason's just not crazy raving on with all this science that she can't believe because no one else talks about it. So how would he know? And now she's seen the difference in me. So if you focus on yourself and you make the changes, people are shocked. I can walk down the street and see an old school friend who saw me say three or four years ago when I was you know, a big boy and could barely walk and wasn't very healthy. And they think, what did you do? I said, I'll just go to the beach and eat oysters. And they go, come on, seriously, what did you do? And maybe we should go in a bit more detail on, on what people can do because I know not just you guys were freaked out by the, we call it the QED bomb, which is quantum electrodynamics from Jack. Um, a lot of your listeners would be as well. So if you want to, I don't know, you leave the questions, but I'd like to stay solution-focused for the remainder if we can. All right, let's do that then. Can I I just ask one question just for the non-geeks listening and and those of us that are, you know, trying to keep up with you lot? I wanted to know from a perspective, one thing that Jack made a comment on, which was my aha. So I've heard a number of people say that they're breatharians or that people can eat very little to survive and always thought clearly they were a little bit out there and a little bit different. And it wasn't until Jack talked about how the sun affects the chlorophyll in a leaf to turn it by a photosynthesis to create its own glucose and food chain, etc. that I went, oh, and then when he talked about how the sun can work on the melanin on the skin and, of course, affect the mitochondria, I hope this isn't a stupid question, but is that a similar thing when you say we make that water? Is it? Can you give me that analogy on how you talk about the early light, the magnetism, et cetera, but can you just explain how we make that water via the mitochondria? So it's, it's a naturally occurring process. So uh, Cindy was alluding to something and we should have uh, clarified for the audience. We are directly coupled, like we're joined at the hip, so to speak, with nature what happens to a plant and a plant is the basis for all food so the natural food web works through this process we learned in primary school called photosynthesis so a plant will take the sunlight it'll take the water it will then you know there'll be some minerals from the ground i know for all the scientists out there but basically it takes water and sunlight and turns it into sugars, turns it into the leaves and the twigs and and the food in which other birds and animals eat to grow the food web out. We take that matter, whether it be plants or, or, or meat, and we convert it into electrons, and I'll get to the breatharians in a minute. We turn it into electrons. So it doesn't matter what we eat, consume, whether it's a fat, whether it's a carbohydrate, whether it's a protein, you know, mitochondria work on the electron chain transport. It's not the fat chain transport. It's not the carbohydrate chain. It's the electrons. So everything gets converted to electrons and passes through the mitochondria 
for it to function properly. The outcome of that process is the production of, guess what, water. And what's the other thing we produce? Carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide. Oh, and what do plants use? Carbon dioxide. So we kind of coupled. Like whether you like it or not, you and a plant are best mates. And then without each other, see all the greenies out there, and I was a greenie for five minutes of my life because I am an environmental guy, but I realised they didn't understand that plants can't survive without the animals. They forget that. It's really important. We are coupled. We are joined at the hip. We cannot live without each other. Now let's get to the breatharians. Now I met a couple of these breatharians in my life, one, one in Glastonbury. And I can tell you they are airheads. I mean, they really are true to their name, breatharians. <laughs> now, when you put them to the side, they will tell you, yeah, we eat a bit of fruit. You know, we eat a little bit of food here and there. They don't not eat. But because they are religious in seeing every a.m. sunrise and they do sun gazing probably too much, they probably do it too long, because you really only need to do it for the first few minutes because you don't want to look at the sun when there's UV in your eyes. You don't want to do that. You'll damage your retina. But in the morning, there's no UV when the sun comes up. So they're getting all these photons. So all these, you know, photonic electronics from the sun coming into their body through, through their eyes and they turn them into electrons. The body will turn those into electrons. What does mitochondria use? electrons so you will find if you spend a lot of time in summer in the sun you won't be as hungry because you're getting all your electrons from the sun and what the big secret about losing weight people is bmi equals the amount of morning sun you get the more morning sun you get the thinner you're going to be healthy all around you're going to be i eat like a champion still I'm not that good with not eating ice cream and doing some of the wrong things. Like I don't live on KFC and pizzas, but I, you know, I still like yummy things in my life and I just keep losing weight, just keeps falling off. It's insane. It really works. So that's why breatharians um, can not eat as much and I hope that explains a little bit um, what you're asking there, Kim. Yes, it does. Thank you. And, and so just to clarify, it's not the fact that the sun affects our skin it's the fact that we eat the plant matter that's been affected by the skin that we then convert both. Um, into okay both, both. okay both. Cool. Yeah. yeah that's why we can live in the middle of winter in you know, scotland with no sun and survive that's right because i was just about to ask you about these places that are very cold or even places like new zealand where um you know it rains a lot so to speak mm. i want to ask you then the next level how does the ozone layer affect the sun and how it affects our plants and us? Well, it definitely increases the amount of um, energy that we don't like. So it does increase a lot of the UVA to really high levels and it can change the water. Uh, It can actually, I'm not going to go into the science of how it changes the water because we'll lose everybody, but it can um, change the bonding and the molecular structure of water as well. Now, the donut hole is not as big as it used to be and it's more over Tasmania um, than it is over the mainland. So it does vary and has changed over time. It's not as big as issue as it once was. Okay, cool. And my next question, just while I'm hogging it right now, I said to Jack after he said to us that, you know, I think he said the word moron quite a lot in the mm-hmm. conversation. Um, 
and I could really hear what I would call aggressive passion. Like he was so passionate about what he was saying. Mm. When I said to him, how do you expect 22 million people to up and leave Australia? He then gave us uh, some insights as to what we could do. I would love to know what you think. 22 million people are not going to up and leave Australia can you please give us Why some... Why would <laughs> Exactly, right? Why would we? Come on. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but what I was interested in is your insights and your thoughts as to what we could do because there may be some people still feeling a little bit shaken from last week's podcast okay. and yeah. it would be really cool for you to help us now in layperson's turn describe what we could do. Yeah. So first of all, people, Australia's the best country in the world. I've travelled everywhere. And I literally kiss the ground when I come back from being overseas. I'm not moving. I'm just not. Now, we have some unique challenges that we have to take some extra steps to keep ourselves healthy. Now, remember, I reversed 20 chronic diseases living in the environment that Jack said would kill me. But I made some big changes. And that's the key difference. My first big change was I left corporate life. So I'm not spending all the time under artificial fluorescent lights, hanging around downtown Sydney in electromagnetic fields, which are just horrifically high. I mean, we're getting to stages now where electronic our EMF environment is just at levels that it's not going to sustain biology very well. People won't believe us. They'll say we're full of it. But I'm telling you firsthand, it is an issue and we need to manage it. Now, I'm not giving up my iPhone for anybody. I'm a technology guy. I love the productivity, the efficiencies, but I learned to manage it. And we can go through that in a minute. But let's go back to the sun. Always start with light. Jack said it a thousand times. We call it, and we call it EMF hygiene, but there's good EMF. Not, it's not all bad EMF, right? So the electromagnetic fields that we were designed, our biology spent billions of years designing our body to be in nature. Why? Because the frequencies of the sun tell all our biology what to do. I'm not going to go into details about that because we haven't got enough time and I want to focus on solutions. But trust me, how does a tomato know when to ripen? The sun tells it. It's the same with us. We, the sun tells our biology how to operate through all the photoreceptors, through our mitochondria, and that's the key piece of the puzzle we've forgotten. So the morning, the morning light, we want to get as much sunlight as we can without getting burnt. I don't want people to get burnt. Now, I've had skin cancer. I've had my face hacked apart. I mean, I've had proper skin cancer. I got it not from playing cricket and surfing as a teenager like everyone wants to tell me. I got it from being 30 years under artificial light and other frequencies and not getting into nature. What we've been told is an outright fib. Now, they didn't do it on purpose. This is not intentional. They just don't know, and still today they don't know. And am I going to get in trouble for coming out publicly about this? You bet you I will, but I don't care because when you look at the science, you have a hard look. I say to a dermatologist the other day, I said, tell me where the science came that sunlight causes cancer and you've declared war on it. He couldn't. You know why he couldn't? Because they were never taught it. It comes from a, a study done, I think it was in the 60s, and, you know, you're all mothers. So when you have sometimes have a baby, they can be born with jaundice and they use blue light. They use artificial light to actually recover from it. So they're doing a study on this and they used UV lamps, straight UV lamps. 
and they gave, it was mice, it wasn't kids, they gave these mice a retinal cancer. So they, that's where the study comes from. John Ott's book, um, I forget the name of it, but you look up John Ott and Light, you'll find it, Light and Health, I think it could be. He's got the research, he traced it back, and he went, what? They based all this off UV lamps, and because the sun has UV, then it must be bad for us? That's the lie they use. It's unbelievable, isn't it, really? And it's now horrific. Slip, slot, slap. <laughs> and we've been conditioned. My mother used to chase me around the backyard with sunscreen. She thought she was doing the right thing. Like, one thing upsets me because I've been in surgery and had this, you know, I've lived this, I mean, I really lived it, and anyone gets told they've got cancer, it scares the living daylights out of you. The fear around cancer is insane. So it kind of bugs me and I get a bit worked up, so sorry about that. Anyway, so it's, that's one half of light. So we, like, you, can, you haven't got a video, but I look like I've got a lot of sun today because I did. I'm kind of pink. Pink is good. You don't want red. Why? Because it hurts. Not because it gives you cancer. You just don't want to get pain when you're sleeping. So just get as much sun without getting burnt. Don't wear sunglasses. I wore underpants more than I wore sunglasses when I went cold turkey. I know how hard it is. But I did it and it works. Now, if I'm out fishing and it's early morning, the sun's reflecting off the water, I will wear sunglasses because I've got to get that kingfish out before the sharks get it. So I do wear them for that. If I was skiing, I don't want to get snow blind. So I think it's fine to wear it when you're skiing because you don't want the reflection off the snow. But apart from that, you don't need to wear them at all. In fact, we need to wear sunglasses at night. So these artificial frequencies, and Jack said it last week, so I'm not going to go through it, but you have special glasses that you can use during the day, which block out some of the artificial lights. And then at night you have the red ones and they block out all the artificial frequencies that you need to sleep well. The reason we have a sleep epidemic and the government is running like a Royal Commission or whatever the health equivalent is right now as we speak is because we're just staring at screens indoors the whole time and we've just ruined our circadian biology. It's really easy. When you understand the quantum electrodynamics, really get into the physics of this, it all makes sense and it's all explainable for all the doubters out there, the medical people, the nurses, the health professionals. It's all in the literature. You guys just haven't read it. So we want to make this publicly available. I know Cindy and I'm sure the other ladies are passionate about getting this information out. So you need good light environment. The second part, so Australia's fine for light. Our problem is water. But if you live naturally, your body can handle the extra deuterium. How do you think Aborigines handled the high deuterium for so many years? How do you think everyone living on the equator, which have higher deuterium than we do, can live with it? Because they spend so much time outside. Your body can naturally regulate these deuterium levels if we do things properly. The trouble is the US EPA calculated that we spend 98% of our time indoors. 98%. You go, what? That's unbelievable. Now, that's probably more Americans than Australians because we do like going to the beach and having barbecues and playing in the park a bit more. But so many kids and so many young adults stuck inside on screens, they wonder why they can't go to sleep because they're staring at a screen at 10 o'clock and you're telling your body it's noon. 
the light coming off your screens, whether it's a TV or a YouTube university on a computer, as my daughter likes to call it, it's keeping them up because they think it's 12 o'clock in the middle of the day. That's why they can't get asleep. It's pretty simple when you get it. So light management is critical. For those who have a chronic illness in Australia, it's likely that the deuterium, and I'm not going to go into the biology because I'm, I'm very aware of the time, but basically you've got this molecule that's twice as fat as hydrogen. So imagine you're getting off a train and you're going through the turnstiles to get through the gate and the fattest person you know times it by two, what happens? That turnstile gets stuck. They can't get through. So all the other hydrogen atoms can't get through into the mitochondria where it makes all these energy and, and spins this nanometer called ATPase. So it doesn't produce the water. So we need to flush them out. And if you're not going to do it naturally or you're sick like I was, drinking deuterium depleted water can be very, very helpful. Now, healthy people don't need to drink it. It's extremely expensive. It's really difficult to get costs a fortune to make. Everyone freaks out, oh, this, you know, everyone's just trying to rob people off. But we set it up so we make no money. That's how important I think it is. And I don't want to talk about any cures or, any, or anything else because I'm not a doctor and I don't want to say that publicly. But all I can say is a lot of people are pretty happy they've been drinking it. But you've got to do all three, like water magnetism. So that's the water problem fixed. Now, you can make good water if you live naturally. Remember that. You don't need to drink DDW per se. You made my day just then. <laughs> oh, me too. You've yeah. got no idea. I, was, I thought we might as well have just all taken ourselves off a cliff last week. <laughs> um, but Jason, so are you saying then, okay, so now that that's good, is filtered water then better or this reverse okay. osmosis water? Like, it, does right. that no, help? No, no. And remember, it's not the water you drink, it's the water you make. So how do you make good quality water? You live like you were born to live. You eat natural foods so nothing in a packet you eat yes, yes but wouldn't the water that's been filtered be better water for us to be not drinking for deuterium. Than water? so we're talking about the smallest molecule in the world right? right hydrogen is number one on the periodic table it's minuscule then you've got an isotope of that molecule so to separate deuterium from hydrogen is near on impossible so any filtration that exists today, unless it's a proper industrial plant, cannot make or remove deuterium, full stop. So every filter, every hydrogen machine, every other you know, device you've heard, and I can go through you know, ion exchange and resident and reverse osmosis, I can go all day through all the different filtration media, they do not remove deuterium. You cannot remove deuterium through standard water filtration. Impossible. But it's still better? Beg your pardon? But it's still better. Like well, describe better. Like, um, well, tap so water that, compared to something that's gone through a beautiful filtering system. With, yeah, I'm just, I, I, I'm just I, I, trying to make us all feel better for the fact that we <laughs> spend money um, on these things. You know, Come on, I, I Jason. think the number one, I'm only speaking from my perspective and I do I kind of know a little bit about this subject. I, I think spring water would be my first pick. I personally drink from a Blue Mountain Spring that's done professionally. I won't give the name out because it's not appropriate to start promoting products. My second option would be a three-stage filtration system where you start off 
with, you know, usually a carbon filter and you go through eventually to an RO filter, but you must add the minerals at the end if you're using RO. RO produces hungry water. You have to have a lot more minerals put in. So Professor Emoto's remineraliser is fine. Do not do RO without remineralizing. That would be my second option, and there is no third. I would not drink any other water than that. Now, um, that's that's me. I don't drink tap water mainly because of the fluoride. Uh, fluoride is very hard to get rid of, and it's the dielectric effect of fluoride that I'm concerned about. It was, what's the hell's body dielectric effect? It's all about redox. What's redox? So you go on and you get into all this other stuff. But it's the ability for that water in your cell to maintain the charge. It's like a battery in your car. It has to be charged. Like when it goes flat, what do you do? You get another car to charge it back up again. So the water must, usually there's no water in the battery. That's why it goes dead. So that's one problem we have because we're going to get into the next subject in a minute, which is dehydration, which is the number one health problem we have in the world. People forget that. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, you must have charge in your battery, and you get that by having no chemicals that affect that. And fluoride is one of those. There are other effects, but that's my main concern with fluoride. You know, chlorine, I think, is one of the best chemicals ever invented by men or women. I don't know who invented chlorine, uh, just because it's a very, very effective disinfectant. And, you know, we did have cholera and typhoid and all these nasty bugs that we needed to deal with. Um, and chlorine can break down pretty easily with sunlight. So it's not as bad. Like, you know what, you know, I just swam in an indoor pool getting green hair as a kid for a long, long time. And I get the trihalomethanes, I get all that, and it is an issue, but I think we save so many more people from the bugs than copy a little bit of, um, you know, the chemical from chlorine. I have a question there. Mm. What about that it's a halogen and iodine's a halogen and it will go into the receptor sites of the body? So... But here's that, a Jack Cruz bomb that affects everybody. Okay, I would love to know this, yes. Who cares? Because oh, really? If, you, oh. if your redox is uh, okay. fully charged, yep. nothing can get into your cell, nothing other than hydrogen, like the really small uh, essential electrons can get through. All these complex chemicals, the halogens and the bromides, fluorides, chlorides, or your organochlorines, or your organophosphates, or your metals, all those more complex ones cannot get through the cell, into the cell, because the redox blocks it. Your redox potential goes down, they get in, and that's in lies the problem. And that's a cruise bomb that people really don't like because, oh, my whole life's about minimising chemicals into the body. That's why it comes out and says, I don't care about organic vegetables. Now, I eat organic vegetables. I do care because I don't want some extra glyphosate on my broccoli, thanks. But if... Your redox is super strong. The body will just pass it on and you'll just excrete it and it won't affect you. Even the glyphosate, you think? Yeah, even anything. But most people have shitty redox. That 60% of Australians would have poor redox. That's why we're getting sick. So that's why these chemicals. And remember, we have a very clean environment today. Mm. Like everyone thinks, oh, it's so bad. I'm going bad. You guys got no idea how bad it was when I was a kid. I used to swim in shit. That's how I started my whole environmental career. Like at Maruba Beach, we used to have raw sewage come onto the ocean and we used to surf in it because the waves are too good. The Cook's River was a sewer. It was a, it was a chemical sewer that leads into Botany Bay. It was horrific. Now we've got whales in the harbour. That never happened when I was a kid. Now you can swim with dolphins. 
right? It's, it's unbelievable how much we better. Our air pollution levels. Where's all these smog days we used to have? Oh, they're gone. So don't think we've got more chemicals than we used to. It's not true. We actually have a much cleaner environment than we did when it comes to chemicals. So what's changed? Why is our environment so bad? And environment matters most. It's because the electromagnetic frequencies that we live in are now hazardous to biology. And we've been told they're safe when they're not. Actually, we've never been told they're safe. That is, there's not enough evidence to prove because we need to do more research and keep delaying this because there's a trillion-dollar industry with all the IoT and 5G and smart cars and cryptocurrencies that we need the technology for, not for humans. That's what's changed. That's why India have 100 million people with diabetes. Our electromagnetic environment is now horrific. You know, I used to work in the health department. I used to hang out with the EPA guys, and I said, why don't we put monitors up and show the increase in the electromagnetic smog? Because it's not an issue, they'd say. Now, I've got friends who have been monitoring this for 20 years, and they just can't, they're just horrified on how high the levels are. Now, I've got meters, and I sent you a video, which I told you not to publish because it's kind of scary. And it's in northern beaches where everyone thinks everything's lovey-dovey and there's no problems down there. Well, this technology is everywhere. You can't run away from it. It's coming and it's, it's not coming. It's here and the 5G stuff is just really starting to roll out across the world. And we, we talked just, you know, when we were talking, Jason, uh, you know, I have some friends who live in the northern beaches and they said that the suicide rate is the greatest in the northern beaches and anywhere else in Australia between 19 mm. and 25-year-olds. Mm. And even with kids that they, they go, we had no idea. And these are their kids' friends. So, you know, it's... Yeah. I, I, I had a, my daughter had a, a, a friend die in, in class two years ago so um, from suicide. The good news is when you have a meter, you can test your environment. Like I said, I'm not giving up my iPhone. I am not anti-technology. Mm. I'm not. I just want to make it safe. And we're not going to be able to go through all that procedures today because we're running out of time and I need a video to demonstrate how we do it. But some of the things you can do, make sure you wear a headset, not a Bluetooth headset with those little stupid earbuds you put in your, put in your ear. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Karen's been very quiet in the background, but she understands <laughs> meditation, right? She's probably a meditation guru. <laughs> And she I'm will just tell you. Get a word in. Oh, no. Sorry, Karen. I'm trying to be. Don't be silly. I'm joking. I'm joking, Jason. <laughs> but you would know that our brain states run from half a hertz to thirty hertz, and we have different brain states going from you know beta, alpha, theta down to delta, and those different brain states happen under different influences, including sleep. They run like between zero and thirty hertz. What does Bluetooth? What does Wi-Fi? use to power the technology it uses 2.4 gigahertz that's 2.4 billion b with a billion hertz you're putting in your head if you were those cute little bloody apple eye earbuds running around thinking they're going to be safe now so why the hell would you do that like if anyone actually knows that like our body runs, you know, most of the biological processes run up to about 100 hertz, like mitochondria run at 100 hertz. Why would you put 2.4 billion into your ear, for goodness sake? About the Bluetooth ones, but if you've got the cord attached to your phone, you're okay. You're much better off. Now, okay. I, I keep the phone away. I have my phone on airplane mode pretty much most of the time. 
Yeah. Because I wanted someone was trying to call you. I said they can wait. And then I turn it on and I manage my calls from there. Now, if I know someone important is going to ring me, I'll leave it on, but it might be in my pocket. You know, these girls I see putting inside their bra. Mm-hmm. You know, the one that kills me is when mums are breastfeeding and they're, you know, on their bloody searching their iPhone right in front of the baby's head. Come on, people. The myelination in a human brain doesn't stop to 25. You know what's going on with that bra- baby's brain? Oh, my goodness. It just kills me. But you can't say anything because I'm not here to save the world. I'm here to help me and those around me. And when they see what I'm doing and they see the effects they're having, they'll pay attention and they'll tell the next person. And that's the only way we can do it. We don't want to go around preaching. We don't want to be activists. You're not going to stop this tsunami. We love our technology. Come on. We line up like for blocks out of Apple's buddy, you know, shop at Bondi or in the city to get one. We're not giving it up. We've got to learn to manage it. And that's what we've got to teach people about EMF. Oh, my goodness. This podcast has been so inspiring and it's not over. The best is yet to come. So hang in there, everybody. Next week, tune in right here on Up For A Chat where we are going to continue with the amazing Jason Bodden-Smith where we get to talk to him more about his incredible ideas, philosophies and scientific digestions of EMFs and water and everything fantastic. So tune in next week right here on Up For A Chat where you get to become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We're going to see you on the ride. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.